welcome to the GMC Podcast, a place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and other highlights from the team of GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. This podcast brings you the sermon series, Malachi, Sin and Grace in Close Proximity, a response to Jesus. God had raised up three prophets to Judah in the post-exilic time, Haggai, Zechariah and Malachi. Haggai and Zechariah rebuked the returned exiles for their failure to rebuild the temple. Malachi, however, confronts their neglect of the temple and their false and profane worship. In six oracles, enclosed either side by a prologue and an epilogue, Malachi sits as the last book of the Old Testament. And he looks back to the Old Testament, assuming, summarising and applying the message of God. But he also looks forward to the New Testament with its promise of the coming reign of God. Over eight weeks, we will seek to encourage you to respond to God's persistent words, I have loved you, and to his faithfulness, and hopefully to help you understand and take heed of the warnings in Malachi, and so respond to the good news of Jesus. Now, before the word from God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. Let us pray. I will call upon the Lord, who is greatly to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The Lord lives. Blessed be the rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. O eternal living God, Today we we would join our praise to that of the prophets, of the priests and the kings and all the congregations of your people throughout the ages. Their praise comes down through the years and ours builds on theirs, voice joined to voice, mind to mind, rising in praise to our crucified, our risen Lord, whoever lives and reigns with you. Almighty God, out of your ever-increasing joy, let your Holy Spirit move among us this morning and keep our praise alive until we're found with all your triumphant people uttering and living perfect praise, praise that will never die. Lord, we know that you love us, that you're always waiting for us, ready to respond when we wait for you. When we get bogged down, Father, when life becomes sticky and the way forward slow and weary, we know that if we wait patiently on you, we are lifted again. Our feet are set down on firm ground so that we can sing new songs of praise and give utterance to the good news of the power and the love that save us. O Lord, you are new for us every morning. All our staleness, all our dryness, all the shabbiness are ours. But we rejoice this morning that you will not fail us. You will be there for us. You will always be there. The psalmist says, the Lord is a sun and a shield. 
The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Lord Jesus Christ, in this world of trouble where we so often struggle and fail, keep us safe. Keep convincing us of the victory that you have won for us through your cross, through your resurrection, so that we may have courage and have confidence to follow your way always. Heavenly Father, we forget so quickly. We forget the faith of those who went before us, and forgetting we lose their confidence and joy and we lose sight of your judgment and mercy, and we live like those without faith. We become afraid of the future, afraid of what might happen to us when evil triumphs. Trying to defend ourselves against our fears, we lose the power to give other people hope in the certainty that you will triumph. Oh, merciful God, forgive our faithlessness, we pray. Forgive our carelessness. Forgive our undermining of each other's confidence. And do help us to recommit ourselves to you again. Though we may may have trouble, Lord, keep us steadfast and sure as we follow the Lord Jesus through life. Keep our hope, keep our faith alive. Give us the joy to sustain us through every sorrow, through every loss. Lord, let us live to glorify your name and bring others to faith so that together we may do justice to your will for us and come to the fulfillment of your purpose for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith or indeed answer questions of faith, We'd love to help you get to know the Lord and go deeper with Him. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the Kingdom. If so, then please get in touch through our Contact Us page of our website, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Whatever your needs, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Now, over to our preacher. So last week we wrapped up a series uh, on the Holy Trinity and... um, Pray it challenged you, the whole series, uh, to think about what fruit you might bear, the fruit you are bearing for the Lord. Um, For this thing we do on a Sunday, it isn't just teaching, it isn't just preaching for head knowledge, it's for stirring you up, I hope. Um, It's what should inspire you to go into the world and work for a wonderful God, the wonderful God we serve. So whether you have been a lifelong follower of Jesus or new in the faith or perhaps somewhere in between haven't quite made your mind up, wherever you are, I am just so excited to be here on a Sunday and at other times, Alpha I've already mentioned, because I just want people to have Jesus in their lives. It's what feeds me. It's what fuels me. I just want people to know Jesus as their personal Savior and their Lord. But I am realistic to know that's not going to happen for everyone. 
I mean, it says so in Scripture. Clearly, it's not going to happen. But I keep praying that more and more will come to know Christ. And I thought, seeing as we're moving into a new series um, now in Malachi, I want you to know how the preaching series, how I and the team here at Gillespie, uh, how it comes about. Some of you know that uh, I go away each October, September-ish time on a retreat. And a retreat sounds like a nice, relaxing, chilled, having a break away from it, in a sense, um, from the day-to-day of ministerial parish work. And it is that. It's It's a break. It's good. But I go to pray. I go to walk. I go to search God's Word. Part of what I do is go and pray and seek what God's putting on my heart for the coming year, for the coming months. And um, I normally come away with a sense of what God's asking me to preach on uh, and how the series will develop. Uh, And it's normally either thematic or it's a book or uh, a particular book of the Bible. Well, I was away in Holy Island last year and this year shaped up as we've had it thus far and we've just finished the series on the Trinity and God said, back when I was on Holy Island, that Ephesians, we were going to go back into another of Paul's letters until a little while ago. I was out walking the dog. This happened back in 2020. I was walking our dog, Toby, uh, and I heard the word Haggai, and I ended up preaching on Haggai a series that summer, and I, I had to rejig everything. Well, this year I heard Malachi. Okay, Lord. What's that all about? Why am I going to preach Malachi? So that's where we are. I've rejigged. I'd worked out a series on Ephesians. That's on the back burner. We'll get to it one day, maybe, if God prompts me that way. Or maybe we won't. God will lead me. But I think it's important you know that when I stand up here on a Sunday morning, I'm not just going to the Word of God and finding something that I want to preach on, something that I fancy, uh, a particular topic or a passage or a book or whatever. It is something I've taken to God. And maybe it's God's prompting for the whole church. Sometimes you may think it's, it's a particular word for you, um, and, and it very well may be. But I just want you to know I'm trying to be faithful to God, whatever he's charging me with. So over the next eight weeks, the team and I will bring you the word of God contained in the words of the prophet Malachi. Malachi, you might ask. Who's Malachi? I don't know what your knowledge of the Old Testament prophets is like, but I want to start before reading the passage, which is pretty short, uh, some context. So I mentioned two years ago I preached on Haggai. God had raised up three prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. He'd raised them up to the nation of Judah in the post-exilic time. What's that mean? Well, There was the time of the Persian Empire. There was a a king called Cyrus the Great. He'd consolidated power. He defeated the Medes. He was welcomed into Babylon as the king of Persia in 539 BC. Over a 20-year period, he built what was at the time the largest empire, uh, conquering most of Western and Central Asia from the Indus River, You might say, where's that? That's in modern-day Pakistan, right across all the way to the Nile Delta of Egypt. That's a big empire. Think about it, Pakistan all the way to Egypt. And he issued a decree in 538 BC that the conquered people groups 
who'd been exiled, who'd been taken away from their homes and their cities, that they could, and who'd been previously deported to Babylon, they could return home. And this would have included the Jews who had been taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. They could return home. This is actually foretold by the prophet Isaiah. I mean, if you, go, look, if you want to go and read a bit of your Bible, read chapters 40 to 48 of Isaiah, and Isaiah tells, foretells this some 170 years before it happens. He names Cyrus. 170 years or so before Cyrus issues this decree. So the Jewish people start to return home. You could read that in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. The foundation of the second temple was laid, but they soon got bored of it and that was abandoned. Then a second group later of returnees arrived under the leadership of a new governor, Zerubbabel, and a new priest, Joshua. And these two people, Zerubbabel and Joshua were inspired by these prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. And so the, the Hebrew community felt energized. They were energized for another attempt to rebuild the temple. And that was completed in 515 BC. And it's into this period, the temple's completed. Haggai and Zechariah have been already prophesying. And this is where Malachi comes in. Temple's completed. But it appears significantly, although the temple is completed, it, it hadn't led to the messianic age. The Hebrews were waiting for their Messiah. And they were bored, they were fed up. Apathy and disillusionment had seeped into the people. Haggai and Zechariah rebuked the returned exiles for their failure to rebuild the temple. They said, you need to get off your butts and start rebuilding. But Malachi, it's been rebuilt. He confronts the Hebrews, the Jewish returnees. He, co he confronts their neglect of the temple, their false and profane worship. And he does so in six oracles. Get to that word in a minute. And it, there's a prologue and an epilogue at the end. And so, hey, six oracles, a prologue and an epilogue. Eight weeks. So we're going to do this in eight weeks. And of course, Malachi sits as the last book of the Old Testament. It looks back, in some sense, at the narrative of the Old Testament, assumes it, summarizes, it applies the message of God through the Old Testament. But it also looks forward to the New Testament, the Testament that's going to come and open with Matthew's Gospel. And it's a promise of a coming wonderful reign. Throughout the book, of Malachi, we'll hear the words, and we'll hear them next week, the words, I have loved you. Throughout the short prophetic book, those words, I have loved you, are so powerful. It's about God's persistent faithfulness to sometimes a faithless people. And that's why I think God's asking me to preach it and others who are going to preach uh, with me on this eight-week series. It's, it's about faithfulness today, God's faithfulness to his people today, that should draw a response to us to come to Jesus. So my prayer, if it's anything, is that this short in-series will give you insight into proper worship of God, the application of social justice, 
implicit in this command to love. It should draw, it should draw our attention to the greatest of sins. And sometimes we think about sins as things we do against one another, against other nations. What Russia is doing in Ukraine is a sin. The shootings in America are a sin. And so, so, so often we think our sinfulness is against other people. And it is. But the greatest of all sins are those that are against God. The greatest single sins are those that we commit against our Father. And God's people in Malachi are, well, they're making a mess of it. And that's why this book so, speaks so powerfully to us today. Even those who are not actively running away from God, and there's plenty of those in the world, even those of us who are, we think we're serving wholeheartedly the Lord, even those of us who love the Lord, this book speaks radically to us. So, we're going to get into the reading. Get comfortable, it might take some time. It's 11 words. A reading from Malachi, chapter 1, verse 1. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Seeing as it's so short, I'll read it again. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Thanks be to God for the reading of his holy word. To his name be praise and glory. Amen. I know what you're thinking. How's Michael going to make a sermon out of 11 words? I can. A friend of mine at university wrote a 10,000-word dissertation on an apostrophe in Romans. I can do a sermon <laughs> on 11 words. So Malachi's audience, his congregation, if you like, was a pretty mixed group. It included the righteous and the wicked, the cynical and the apathetic. It included the callous, the dishonest, and the skeptical. A mixed bag, a real crowd that he had to preach to. So what was his message to this crowd? Well, it was a message filled with challenge, but a message of God's love to a disheartened people. Very much a message for today, love. So how are you feeling about faith? How are you feeling about church at the moment? Is there disheartenment in your, is that a word, disheartenment? Anyway, it is now. In your lives? When you consider humanity, the world's many issues, can you really say you are encouraged? It is for such a time as this that the church needs to rehear the message of Malachi. This is an oracle from Malachi. We will find him as Yahweh's, the God of Israel, as God's stern prophet, with rebuke and harsh words for the people he's writing to, with rebuke to corrupt priests, church leaders, with warnings of the coming day of God's judgment. He calls his audience to a more sincere life with God. To, to a sincere life of worship. He challenges people's ethical standards, how they're living to the Mosaic Covenant, which they were under. But above all of this, Malachi's from Yahweh was simple. I have always loved you. So what can we get from these 11 words 
that are translated from the Hebrew. So there are 11 words in the English. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Well, there's really four things in there. Oracle, Malachi, Israel, and word of the Lord. In that order, you'll, you'll see, I've kind of reordered them from the way they appeared in the text. But the first thing, an oracle. Hebrew word is masor. M-A-S-S-A, masor. It's a technical term for a, for a particular type of prophetic speech. It's one often associated with impending threat or doom. We're all doomed. Different Bible translations have it in different words. So it, it can be, I think it's King James has it as a burden. Sometimes it's translated as a message, other times a prophecy. And it is all of these things. It is an oracle. It's a burden upon, well, it was a burden upon Malachi to bring the message. It's a burden upon the people to receive it. It is, of course, a message. It, it, it's vocal. It's written. It's there. We take it as a message upon ourselves. They did themselves. And yes, it's prophetic. It's prophetic. It's speaking to the future. That's what is going to happen. So whichever term, whichever translation you look at, they're all good translated words. And there's a primacy and urgency to Malachi's words alongside this sense of anxiety, this foreboding. Instead of repelling people, this kind of this sense of foreboding, I think Malachi is kind of saying, you're really going to want to hear this. Come on, you're really going to want to hear this. Have you ever maybe watched something scary? I don't know whether you're into horror movies or whether you were when you're younger, and you know something is about to make you jump and scream, but you still carry on watching. You just know, I'm not going to enjoy this, but I can't take my eyes off it. Well, so kind of it is like with Malachi. He's saying, come on, this is... It's going to be hard to hear, but you need to hear it. Keep your ears tuned, because you don't want to miss what's coming. So obviously, an oracle has to come from somewhere. For Malachi has to bring words to create the oracle. And God, God has always been one that speaks. If we go right back to the beginning, to Genesis, God spoke into existence. Speech is creative. And this is how humankind knows him, because he speaks to us. Speaks to us through his words, through people. He is personal and can be known because he speaks. Ever since the first prophet Moses, God has been choosing individuals and equipping them. That's important, not just choosing them, but equipping them to speak the word of the Lord. There are, that comes, of course, with a warning. There are warnings in Scripture to beware of false prophets. But there's a sense in which church leaders need to emulate the prophets. Not in terms of necessary prophecy, if they don't have a prophetic gift, but in leading the people to the word of the Lord. John Calvin, the 16th century reformer, wrote about Christian preachers. In the preface to his commentary on Isaiah, he wrote this, we ought to imitate the prophets 
who conveyed the doctrine of the law in such a manner as to draw from its advices, reproofs, threatenings, and consolations. So in other words, from the whole word of God, everything that's in there, the advice in it, the reproof, the threats, and the consolations that are in the word of God, Christian ministers need to be drawing from all of that doctrine which they applied to the present condition of the people. It's what I'm doing here. I'm taking the word of Malachi and I'm bringing it to the people to apply it to your lives, to apply it to the church. In other words, those who profess to be bringers of God's word through the ages and today should emulate the prophets as we teach the word of God, encouraging people in the word of God, challenging people by the word of God. So whatever translation of Massah oracle, message, burden, or prophecy that that is used, God's word must be heard, it must be heeded from Genesis to Revelation, all of it, and then responded to. Because do you know what? If we fail to respond to the word of a prophet, a true prophet, if you fail to respond to the words contained in this book, the word of the Lord, you're failing to respond to God. Simple as. If we're not responding to the word of the Lord, we're not responding to God. That's oracle. So who's it from? Malachi. Well, Malachi in Hebrew means messenger, funnily enough. And some academics would argue that Malachi isn't a real name, that Malachi, uh, the, this oracle of the word of the Lord by, to Israel, by Malachi, this by Malachi, just means by a messenger. It's not a person's name. In other words, the author is unknown. I don't agree. I don't agree. Uh, there are academics I disagree with, but there are academics and biblical scholars who believe Malachi was indeed a real person with that name, and I'm going with that. The oracle, the word of God, came by Malachi. So today and in the coming weeks, it of course remains the word of God we're hearing, and it is still coming to us by Malachi. It's a divine message by a human messenger. Yeah? Divine message, divine word of God coming by a human messenger. A divine word of eternal value that Malachi wrote remains today eternal and with value. I just love that God intervenes in the world through Chosen humans, agents, if you like, those who seek God, those who speak his truths, who write his oracles and prophecies, and also do in action what he calls them to do. This is all evidence of God's activity in the world. If only we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And God calls people in so many different ways, diverse ways, I mean, if you look at just a few biblical examples, I mentioned Moses earlier. Moses wrote down. He he wrote down and then spoke what God told him. Grumbled about it. I'm not eloquent with words, um, but 
I'll do it. I'll write them down and speak what God receives. Habakkuk, he argued with God. He, he, did, he kind of disagreed with God's revealed plan. He was troubled. He, he asked difficult questions directly to God, yet he also accepted what God said and became faithful as a prophet of the Lord. Jonah, well, he heard God and said, nope, I'm off. That's me, opposite direction. No, I hear what you're saying, but you got the wrong guy. Find someone else. But, of course, ultimately, reluctantly, Jonah complies. He takes the message to Nineveh, where it had to go. Still wasn't happy about it. What about the the three prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Hosea? I think these guys, in some sense, had it worse. These guys had it tough. Not only did they have to bring the oracles, the words of the Lord, they had to act them out too. They had hard tasks to bear. And Malachi? Malachi is a little bit different. It's a bit quiet. We don't really know what Malachi thought or felt about what God was calling him to proclaim. There's no argument in it. There is just the word of the Lord. He just delivered it. The word of the Lord. And who is it to? Well, Israel. In our modern sensibilities, Israel comes with all sorts of baggage. It comes with the division of Palestine post-Second World War, the troubles over there, the Intifada, Gaza, Occupy. It comes with all of that. It comes with the Holocaust. It comes with all of that. So, but who is Israel here? You've got to remember when you read Israel in the Old Testament, we are not talking about modern day Israel. Not at all. Israel was the name given to Jacob. Find that in, in fact, twice in Genesis. Genesis 32, 38, and then 35, 9 to 12. Jacob was the father of 12 sons whose descendants, funnily enough, are the 12 tribes of Israel. They, these 12 tribes, made up the nation of Israel, the people who are in covenant with God. But they don't all get along. Siblings, that happens. In the reign of Jeroboam and Rehoboam, the sons of Solomon, the 12 tribes split. You had a northern kingdom, Israel, containing 10 tribes. The southern kingdom, oh yeah, and the northern kingdom was located in Samaria. Samaritans, think about that. That's why all things get a bit fraught between the Samaritans and the real Jews in Judah in Jesus' time. But that's another story. That's me going off. Um, So you've got the northern kingdom in Samaria, known as Israel, ten tribes. The southern is located in Jerusalem, and that is the tribe of Judah. Welcome back. Um, The northern kingdom was taken into exile by the Assyrians in 722 BC. 
And some generations later, Judah was also exiled, but this time to Babylon. So you've got the Assyrians have taken the northern kingdom out, Israel, Judah has gone to Babylon over, two, over a 10-year period. First in 597 BC and then fully exiled, city of Jerusalem sacked in 587 BC. Though as we've heard in my introduction, they later returned. And that is the time Malachi is writing into. So that background is to say, so if the original nation of Israel, the 12 tribes, has long been split up and taken into exile over a 135-year period, why does Malachi address his oracle to Israel if it doesn't really exist as a nation? Well, by doing so, he is addressing the word of the Lord, because that's what he's bringing to them, to all God's people. Israel is all God's people. Uh, descended from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, those coming under the Mosaic Covenant, the people gathered in the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding area, commonly known as Judah, are called Israel at this point because they are fulfilling God's plan that God would gather his people back into the land, into this holy city of Jerusalem. By calling them Israel, Malachi is speaking so wonderfully of God's faithfulness to this broken up people, this diaspora of people. In other words, Israel is addressed to the people of God. Malachi was addressing the church of his day. And so today, I believe these words are valid for God's people today, in his church today, you and me. The oracle is for the church. Uh, this is a really important thing. Quite often when we bring God's word to you, when we preach, myself and Maggie and David and Ronnie we, and Lee, when we bring it, sometimes the message is for individuals. The message of Malachi is to a people. It's to a church. Yes, we have to take it and let it indwell in us. But it is to us as a corporate body of God's people. So when you're hearing it over the next few weeks, allow God to speak to you, understand what he is asking of your church. Yes, you within it, but what is God saying to your church? So we know what the writing is. It's an oracle. Who the deliverer is? Malachi. And who it's to? Israel. So the last part, what does it contain? It contains the word of the Lord. Now Lord, L-O-R-D, capitalized. If you see the word Lord capitalized in the Old Testament, it is the personal name for God. I am who I am, God said to Moses when he asked who he should say. God is, he, Moses is going back to the people. Who shall I say that sent me? I am who I am. Yahweh, the great I am, the personal God revealed in this word, this English translation, L-O-R-D, capitalized, denoted, denotes this person. And this person is the covenant God, the God who sends, just like he sent Moses. 
In Exodus 3, 14 and 15, the same God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. The same God who loves, who saves, who speaks. The God who is not absent, but involved. And so, the word of the Lord, it is the Lord, we like those Malachi prophesied to, should expect to meet God in his word. The recent series on the Trinity told us so, that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can be personally known. And so my question to you today is, do you have that expectation in your heart that when you come to worship, you will encounter God the living God. Will you encounter him? Do you rock up here on a Sunday morning thinking, I'm going to worship God and I'm going to meet with my Lord and I'm going to hear from him? Will you hear from him in worship today? In the prayers David has said, in the songs we've already sung, or in this preaching, in this word. But it's not just Sunday. What about your personal time, your prayer time? Do you allow space in your week to pray and hear from God? Or what about devotional time when you read Scripture? If you do, and I pray and hope you all do, during the week, does God speak to you through that? It's not just the Lord who is important to life, but the Word of the Lord is important to life. And I'll tell you why. There are so many voices today in the world on so many subjects, on so many platforms and different medias, and many of them are wanting societies across the world to move away from Christian faith. They want it gone. As Christians and our faith, Christianity, is crowded out of the public space, that is what's being attempted by some, it can have a negative effect on those who believe in the Lord. It quieted us. It has been doing for years. My dad used to say to me, oh, no religion, please, that's, that's a private thing. No, it's not. It's not private. Jesus said, go and make disciples. We have been infected by the world. We've been quietened. The world says it's not relevant. And so you find it difficult to find room in your life for the word of God because the world says it's okay to ignore it. So you do. But just think what I said there. It's difficult to find room for God. <laughs> it's the wrong sentence. We live in God's created world, his universe. Should not the question be, as one commentary I read put it, that not do we have room for God, but rather, is there room for us in God's universe? We shouldn't be asking whether we've got room in our life to fit a bit of God in. Has he got room for us? The answer, I'm glad to say, of course, is a resounding yes. Of course he does. He has space in abundance for us. God wants a relationship with you, with me, 
And we need to remind ourselves and those we come into contact with of the world's assumptions that God is not relevant anymore. That humankind has things sorted. For we do, do not. We don't have them sorted. We instead need to be pointing to the word of the Lord and meet him in that eternal word. In scripture and in Jesus. Jeremiah Burroughs, a 16th century Puritan and independent Anglican, he compiled a series of sermons into a book called Gospel Worship. Got it on my Kindle. The sermons expose how we relate to God. One of the most important things he thought was attending church. To hear the word read and preached. As you sit to listen, he explained, you come to tender up your, up your homage to God, to sit at God's feet and there to profess your submission to him. Tender up your homage. Maybe old language, but I love it. You come to church to tender up your homage. You bring, as I said at the beginning of the service, you come to bring your worship to sit at your Lord's feet, here I am. Submit to God, here I am. So today and over the coming weeks, come and sit at God's feet. Come and listen and receive God's word from Malachi and from our preaching team. Come prepared. What do I mean by that? Malachi is not a long book, go home, read it. Read it every week for the next seven weeks and you will get more from a Sunday morning. Be eager to gain insight of your loving God. Be ready to receive, to heed, and believe. And then, respond in faithful submission, obedience, and in praise. Let's pray. Father, we do submit to you. We thank you for your word, for Malachi, for your, your word to us, this oracle. We're excited, I pray, I hope, uh, to hear what you've got to say. And we come this day in faithful submission, in obedience to you, Lord God. Thanks for listening to the Sunday podcast from our team at GMC, Dunfermline, Scotland. If you'd like more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, then visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook or look back at some of our videos on our YouTube channel. Just search for Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the contact us page on our website by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a financial donation, then offerings can be made by clicking the support us with stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Jack Wood, and the soundtrack is Up to the Moon by No Tree. Thanks for listening.